it's not been that long since this group of graduates were, were there, right? And, and it won't be lo- long before this group of kids are in, in your shoes either. It happens quickly, but every week when we see them cross the front, it's a reminder to us that children's ministry is central to the mission of our church because we are investing in and raising up leaders for the future. And not only that, when, when we celebrate our graduates and, and we stand them here and, and they talk about their, their, their prayer requests and they're asking you to pray for them, again, it's, what a huge reminder to us that we have such an important task as a church in raising up and investing in the lives of our young people because we aren't just babysitting them. We aren't just entertaining them. This is not just about keeping them busy so they don't make a lot of noise and and disrupt church. This is about raising up the future of the church. And, And if you don't see it that way, I challenge you to change your way of thinking. And what better way than to get involved in investing with our young people so that they become not just faces that you see, but people that you know and people that you care about. Such an important ministry, such important ministries in the life of our church. And every year when we get to this time, this season of the life of our church, we have basically back-to-back in in just a matter of a few weeks, we have a baby dedication and a senior graduate recognition. And and, and it's like the, the bookends, in a sense, of those important years when we're investing in the lives of our young people and, and a great reminder to us. And I want to say to you graduates, and I'm proud of you. you know, I, I did my best to try to grab each one of you individually earlier, and, and I, I think I made it to everybody. I may not have. But, but I want you to know how, how proud of you that I am and as a church that we are. And when we stand alongside you and we pray for you, again, that's not just this show. It's not us just you know, wanting to make you feel special, that we do want you to feel special. That's important as well. But really what it is, is, is it's us trying to affirm in you that you are, you are important to us. And just as you're important to us, we want you to learn this lesson that you're transitioning in life, right? In the seasons of life, you're transitioning. And, and, and you're not all the way there yet, but you are closer now to the day and the time when when you will be the one investing and pouring into young people and, and, and raising them up. But along the way, in the meantime, don't believe the, the lie, the idea that says, well, someday, someday I'll give, someday I'll plug in, someday I'll connect, someday I'll, I'll be active and use my gifts. Do it now in, in whatever ways that you can with the gifts that God has given you in this season of life. Stay faithful and connected and serve where God has you now. And as you do that, he'll continue to unfold the plan for you down the road as well. And, and I'm proud of you, every one of you, and, and the, the ways that you've been involved, the ways you've been invested, and in the plans that you have for doing that in the future as well. This morning we're going to be in James chapter 5, verse 12. We're nearing the end of our study in the book of James. And as we wind down these last few sermons, these last few messages in the book of James, we begin to see that James is wrapping up his letter as well. He's starting to draw things to a close. We'll even see in the passage that we look at this morning, which is really just one verse, we'll see how James begins to turn the corner and, and summarize even in a way things that he's said already. But there are some really important instructions that he has yet to give us these next few sermons, these next few messages that we'll study. And so this isn't just summary. This isn't just going over what we've already said in the book of James. This is in very much in many ways 
this is continuing on with the themes that James has been teaching and using, but also driving home some very key lessons that he has for us. And so I'm excited about digging into these verses these next few weeks. I'm also excited because as we, as we draw to a close in the book of James, over the next few weeks, our other staff will be delivering some of these messages for you. Next Sunday, I will be out of the pulpit because I will be in Latvia. I will be leaving on Wednesday of this week with a group of pastors from Oklahoma to travel to Latvia, which is in Eastern Europe, and we're going to be looking to find ways that Oklahoma Baptists can connect with and serve alongside Latvian Baptists. So the Oklahoma Baptists are formally organized, a group that's known as the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, and in Latvia, they're formally organized under a group known as the Latvian Baptist Union. And this past fall, the Latvian Baptist Union and the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma agreed on a partnership. And so this is one of the initial trips from Oklahoma with groups of pastors headed over there. And, and specifically, as I think about First Baptist Chickasha and what this might look like for us, uh, I'm excited to, to get to know some of these pastors and learn their story and find ways that we might be able to connect alongside them. So next Sunday, I will be worshiping in a, a town in Latvia that, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, and I may not be, right? So don't judge my, 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 poor, uh, my, my poor, you won't know anyway, right? Who are we kidding? Uh, Ventspils is, is, I think, how you say the name of this city that I'll be in. Ventspils Baptist Church in Latvia next Sunday. And so excited to come back and be able to share with you more about that. And then the following Sunday, right after school is out, uh, my family will be with Rayleigh's family for a family reunion that they do every year, and so we'll be gathered up with them, and, and so I'll be out the next few Sundays, and as we draw in next Sunday, Brad's going to preach in James chapter 5, verses 13 to 17, and then the following week, Doug will finish up the book of James, and, and so I'm excited to, for you to be able to hear from them and, and hear about these words, and, and I'm saying that as well just to kind of give you some accountability that you'll be here the next few weeks and that you'll support them in that work, support them in their endeavor to bring the word to you, encourage them, and cheer them on in that as well as they are more than capable preachers, but I'm excited for you to get to hear them as, as they do that. All right, enough setup. Right into James chapter 5, verse 12. Let's read this verse together and then dig into our study here this morning. We read that, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. As James writes here with these opening words to this, to this particular verse, and even, I would say more than that, to the conclusion of his letter, he says, but above all. Now, that doesn't mean that what he says here matters more than anything else. I don't think that, again, given the context when you study this, James is saying that this verse, this truth is more important than any other truth I've given you. Essentially what he's doing is he's, he's beginning to wrap up and conclude his letter. And so often as you do, when you're concluding a letter that you're writing or a paper that you've written or something of that nature, right, you begin to you begin to organize your thoughts and, and kind of wind things down. And, and in many ways, you start to step back as you write. You zoom out and, and bring the pieces of what you've said together. That's the very same thing that James is doing here. But in, in starting to draw toward this conclusion and bringing things together, still he introduces new ideas, new concepts here that I think are, are very essential. In fact, each of these next three sermons, 
he's going to do that. This week, dealing with let your yes be yes, your no be no. Next week, and how we are to pray for each other, particularly when someone is sick, the, the power of our prayers when we live righteously, how our prayers are effective. And then the final week, how we are to go after those who wander from the truth and, and try to bring them back. How we are to go after people who have wandered away from their faith. We would say those who have backslidden, right? And, and how we can pursue them with the same love that Christ has pursued us. Very, very uh, significant and essential teachings. And in this, own, this, this very passage this morning that we're studying, really, James is echoing the teaching of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, particularly in Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. James is echoing the very words of Jesus here, but in doing this, he's, he's teaching us more than just about whether we should take oaths or not take oaths. I think he's teaching us about the importance of living a life of integrity. And so let's look at that this morning, particularly in, in that light of what it means for us to live with integrity, to live by our word. So he writes, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath. I want us to see, first of all, the weight of our words in this passage. The weight of our words, that our, our words bear a certain weight. In James chapter 3, when we were studying earlier in, in the book of James, in James chapter 3, if you look at verse 6, he, he talks about the power of our words. The tongue, he, he writes, is a fire. He's, he's speaking there about the, the power of our words. In James 1, verse 26, he, again, he writes about the power that our words have. If anyone thinks he's religious but does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. In James chapter 4, verse 1, again, he talks about what causes quarrels and fights among you. Those are things that happen with our words, right? Throughout this letter, he's addressed the significance, the importance of our words. Here again, he deals with the weight that our words have. And so he tells us not to swear by an oath. Now, there have been some through the years who, in, in trying to bear this truth out and trying to be faithful to this, have really camped out on this idea. Do not swear by an oath. And so they would say, well, it's not, it's not right for us to, to swear an oath when you appear in court. You shouldn't swear an oath. You should never, you, you should never swear by any form of an oath. And I don't believe that what, what James is writing here is prohibiting Christians from taking an oath in a court of law or penning a contract or anything of that nature. I don't believe that to be faithful to what he's saying. Now, to be fair, he does talk about oaths, and so we need to understand how this fits. In the Old Testament, there are several scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about swearing by an oath, and particularly swearing by the name of God. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12 in the law, we read that God has commanded, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. In Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, we read that if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And over time, in the development of the law and the rabbinical system, the rabbis, the leaders of the law, had developed a system that was very complex. And, and according to this, this system of the law and their traditions that they had developed in, in things like the Mishnah and the Shavuot, there were, there were the idea 
that you could swear an oath by something other than the name of the Lord and that you wouldn't have to necessarily keep that oath. So there were lesser oaths and greater oaths and that you should not swear an oath by the name of the Lord, but you could swear a lesser oath. Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount and he essentially says, don't swear oaths at all. Essentially what Jesus says is you shouldn't live in such a way that you have to swear by an oath for people to believe you. Don't, don't, use silly oaths. Don't use these, these oaths. Instead, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, let your word be true. And James now picks up on that idea and, and echoes it and, and I think even takes it further with what we're going to study this morning. And so the, the essential thing that we need to understand first and foremost about oaths and whether or not we can swear or should swear by oaths is this simply, that there is a weight with our words. You remember when we were in James chapter 3? I told you that words matter. Now, it's funny. I won't point out who, but there's uh, someone in our church who, since that time, jokingly talks about the little, the little uh, instead of the, the angel and the devil on their shoulder, it's the little Michael Butler on their shoulder that when they're thinking about something says, words matter, words matter, words matter, right? Someone... Uh, I've become the voice of conscience for at least some of you because of that sermon in James. But here's why words matter, right? You remember we studied this in James 3, and, and I think this points us to this truth again in James 5, that our words matter because ultimately your words are a reflection of your heart. That's exactly what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5, that what comes out of you is a reflection of what's in your heart. And so your words matter because what you say reflects what's happening in your heart. It reflects what's going on inside of you. And so let's not get wrapped up or, or trip over the idea of swearing by an oath. Again, we're going to deal more with that in just a moment. But the idea being that first and foremost, let's recognize our words carry weight. Think about it. Think about Think about the way that words have harmed you. Think about the way that words have wounded you. Think about the ways that words have built you up, have affirmed you, have encouraged you. You know that words matter because others have said things to you that have either built you up or, or in some way tried to tear you down. You and I have done the same thing with our words, right? We need to understand that our words matter. So th there's weight with our words that we see in this passage. But secondly, there's weight with our work, the weight of our work. So not only do we see the weight of our words, but in this passage we see the weight of our work. And so he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now how will we know if your yes is yes and your no is no? Ultimately, it's not just it's not just rooted in what you say, but it's rooted in what you do. Because the way for your yes to mean yes and your no to mean no means that over time, your life and your witness and your example, those things must be true, right? For your yes to be yes, you've got to be true to your word. You've got to live true to your word. You've got to back up what you say with what you do. So there's weight, not only with our words, but there's weight with our work. There's weight with the things that we do. In James chapter 2, verse 14, we saw that, that there, is, there is something significant and important in the way that we live. That faith without works is dead, 
There ought to be something to show for the things that we say we believe. And so the reason why, I, I think as much as anything, the reason why Jesus and now James are telling us not to swear by oaths is because your word should not hinge on an oath that you have sworn. Rather, your word should be backed up by the way that you have lived. In other words, oaths are necessary because we're inherently dishonest, right? We are. No one had to teach you how to lie when you were younger. Every parent knows this. Every parent knows that no one had to teach their beautiful, precious, innocent little liars how to do that, right? Because kids just learn that. I mean, it's like, it's like we're born knowing how to, how to lie, how to, how to twist the truth. Did you do this? No. You know, from an early age, no one has to teach us how to lie. There's something inherent in us that just knows how to, how to lie, right? It's that sin nature inside of us. The reality is that oaths become necessary because, because we aren't true to our word, because we're, we're by nature dishonest and liars. But here's the, here's the important truth we need to understand from this passage. Oaths become unnecessary when we live lives of integrity. You won't have to swear by oaths. You won't have to call on the name of someone or something else to back up your word if you are a man or a woman who is true to their word. If your yes is yes, if your no is no, if you live a life that is true to your word, then essentially oaths become unnecessary. So this isn't just about whether it's right or wrong to swear by an oath. Ultimately, this is about living a life of integrity. Living the kind of life where what you say you will do, you will do. Your yes is yes, your no is no. When we live with integrity, oaths become unnecessary. Again, swearing here isn't, he's not talking about swearing in the sense of using profane speech, but, but he's literally talking about trying to call on something, someone, you know, that, that will, that will, in some way, I don't I guess, prove that we mean what we say, right? You hear people do this in all sorts of ways. But if you would just live a life of integrity, all those oaths become unnecessary. So we, we must strive to be true to our word. The truth is that Jesus is always true to his word. The New Testament proves time and again, Jesus is always true to his word. So why are we called to live lives of integrity? Well, first and foremost, because as believers... We want to follow the example that Christ has set for us, and Christ is always true to his word. And because Christ is true to his word, we ought to strive to be true to our word as well. We live lives of integrity. Here, here are some really good tests of your integrity. You want to know, am I living a life of integrity? Well, first and foremost, I think one of the, one of the most basic tests of your integrity is if you keep your word even when you think no one else is watching do you do what you say you will do? Are you true to the promises, the, the commitments, the vows that you have made? Do you live in a way that is right and honoring and pleasing to God even when no one else is watching? It's a real test of your integrity, isn't it? But it's a matter of living in such a way that your yes is yes and your no is no. How do you live? What do you do when no one else is watching or certainly at least when you think no one else is watching? A second really strong test of your integrity is 
just to ask yourself, maybe even ask those who are closest to you, what weight your words carry with them. We've already established that our words carry weight. What kind of weight do your words carry? A person of integrity, their words carry weight. What I mean to say is that a person of integrity, when, when they say they will do something, others believe that they will do it, right? A person of integrity, when, when they say no, others believe that they mean no. It's parents. One of the things that can drive parents with little kids, with little ones, crazy, right, is when you say something and then they ask you over and over again for the same thing, right? They ask you, and it could be something, it could be something so mundanely simple as, can I have a drink? No, not now. Can I have a drink? No, not now. Can I have a drink, right? Parents have been there, right, with little ones. It can be something routine like, are we there yet, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And as parents, we want to, we want to instill this truth in our children that, when I say yes, I mean yes. When I say, right, when are we going to be there? We'll be there when we're there, right? That's, every parent loves that answer. No, I said no, and I meant no. But what are we doing? We're training our children. We're training our children that yes means yes, no means no. When, when mom or dad says something, we're going to be true to our word. But you know that ought not just to apply to our children. We ought to live in such a way that in business, in family, with our neighbors, with church, in your kids' sports leagues. Your yes means yes, and your no means no. That we are true to our word. It's about living a life of integrity. So there's weight with our words. Secondly, there's weight with our works, that what we do would back up what we say. And finally, this, we see in this passage, the weight of our witness the weight of our witness. Now, this point, to be fair, is more implied than stated, but understand what, what I mean when I say this. We've seen already that we are, to, we are to consider the weight of our words. We're to consider the weight of our, of our works. Our yes would be yes. Our no would be no. And finally, that we would understand the weight of our witness in, in understanding that the way we live sets an example for others, we've established Jesus is always faithful to his word. And because Jesus is faithful to his word, he's faithful to his promise, we should do our best as followers of Christ to be faithful to our word, to be faithful to what we say, to live lives of integrity because we understand ultimately that the world is watching us. It's very cliche. It's been said many different times in many different ways. But the reality is, as believers... When someone wants to know whether or not the words of the Scripture are true, most often the proof that they will look for is found in the lives of Christians that they know. It's been said something like, your life is the only Bible that some people will ever read, right? There is weight in our witness as believers that how we live matters. What we say matters, what we do matters ultimately because our witness matters. Because your life is not just a reflection on you. Your life ultimately is a reflection on the one who purchased your pardon with his shed blood. You know, as a boy, I remember so many times my dad 
sitting us down. I'm the middle of three boys, right? And he would sit us down, and he would say this speech, something like, boys, you better be on your best behavior because your last name is Butler, and that means something because when people think of you, they're going to think of your mother and I. And, and, we, and this speech was tried and true, right? Teaching us, shaping us to understand. You know, again, I find that to be such an accurate reflection in many ways of this biblical truth that our lives don't just reflect upon us individually, not just our last names, not even just the name of this church or, or, or of this, uh, you know, of Baptists in general, but ultimately we reflect Jesus to a lost world. So the reason that the reason that your words matter, the reason that there's weight to your words and you need to consider that carefully, the reason that we need to understand that our works matter and that there's a weight to our works that we need to consider carefully is because ultimately our witness matters as well. Because when others look at us, we want them to see Jesus. We need to understand that our lives reflect Christ to this, to this world. If we are liars then people will think God to be a liar too. If you are not true and faithful to your word as a Christian, then others will dismiss your faith and and they'll think that that it's no good, right? And I, I dare say that probably many of us have known someone, maybe even to our own to our own shame, we've been that person at some point in our lives where the example that we set did not honor the Lord well, did not reflect him well to the world around us. We need to live in such a way that we don't bring this condemnation upon ourselves, upon our church, and and, and ultimately, and most importantly, upon the Lord Jesus. He says, so that you may not fall under condemnation, and the condemnation that he's talking about are the consequences that come when when our yes isn't yes and our no isn't no, right? It's the condemnation is the consequences that happen when we live with dishonesty, when we live with, with, without integrity. There's condemnation that comes, but it's not just condemnation against you. Ultimately, it's a condemnation that reflects against the Lord. It's a, it's a condemnation that reflects against your Christian faith. It's why it's so essential for us to live lives of integrity as believers because we want our lives to reflect Christ to the world around us. And so think about it. There is, there is a weight to your words. There is a weight to your works. And importantly, there is a weight to your witness as a believer. Will you and I live in such a way that our yes is yes, our no is no, that, that, that our integrity speaks for itself so that when others look at us, they believe that we mean what we say we mean. When others look at us, they believe that our faith is true because of what they've seen in us lived out in our lives. In a moment this morning, we're gonna have a time of response. And in our time of response this morning, if God is stirring in your heart that there is, some, there is something in your life that you need to, you need to kind of bring into this light of his, of his 
grace and his forgiveness. If there's something in your life that you need to bring in the light in the sense that you get this right with the Lord so that what you say matches with how you live, so that there's integrity in your faith put into practice in your life, then during this time of response this morning, I want to challenge you that you would you would get that right with the Lord. Our altar will be open for you to come and kneel here in prayer. Our staff will be at the front ready to receive you. And I know invariably what happens in, in a moment like this, right? We're singing and, and you feel like all eyes are on you. And so it's like, if, if I go forward, I'm basically admitting to everyone in the room that I don't have integrity. Well, can I just let the air out of that balloon? Because everyone in this room, everyone in this room has reason to come to the altar and repent before God for the lack of integrity in our lives, right? It's not just you. Now, to be fair, it is you, and it's me, and it's all of us. But don't let that be the thing that keeps you from obeying the Lord, the idea that, well, everybody else is watching. And if anything, that only reinforces the significance of what the Word has taught us this morning. Others are watching, and so we need to heed the call to live lives of integrity. And at the moment that you recognize, you know what, there's something going on, you need to get it right with the Lord. Now, to everyone else who's watching, right, to the rest of us who might be the onlookers, we ought not to be so focused on someone else coming forward to pray at the altar that we would think, oh, I wonder what's going on with them. I wonder what's in there, you know, confessing to the Lord. Because really what you're doing in that moment, you're falling guilty of the way Jesus described it you're looking at the speck in your brother's eye and missing the plank that's in your own eye, right? Every one of us, every one of us are guilty of ways that we say one thing and do another. Before God today, may we repent of our lack of integrity and make a commitment, a vow before him to walk by faith so that there is weight to our words, weight to our work, weight to our witness, that our lives would reflect Christ to the world around us. You pray with me. Lord God, and this morning before you, we confess the need to live lives of integrity. Lord, we confess this morning the need to put our faith into action in our lives so that it's not just something that we say, but importantly, something that we do. God, we know that you, you lived a life of integrity. Your yes meant yes, your no meant no. So that when you promised that you would go to the cross for us so that you could redeem us from sin, Lord, you did that. When you promised that you would be raised again from the dead, conquering sin and death, Lord, you did that. When you promised us that you have power to forgive us and cleanse us and make us whole, Lord, you proved that. So today, Lord, believing in you by faith, we want to live lives of integrity that would honor you and importantly, that would reflect you to the world around us. God, help us, empower us, enable us to that end. We pray in your name. Amen. As we stand together to sing this song of invitation today, if the Lord is speaking, if he's moving in your heart, I invite you to come. Our altars are open. Staff are here at the front ready to pray with you and receive you. If God is moving, will you obey him today? Will you step out? so that your words matter, that your works matter, that your witness matters for him. Well, everyone needs compassion, the kindness of the Savior. Let 
fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. gospel, right? The same Savior who has the power to move mountains, the same Savior who spoke into existence all of creation, is mighty to save. He's able to do what he said he would do because his words were backed up with his actions. That's the ultimate example for us to follow. The ultimate example for us. Now, the reality is that we'll fall short along the way because we're not Jesus, because we're not perfect. But to be sure, the, the goal, the target for us, our aim is to honor him by living lives of integrity, understanding the weight of our words, the weight of our works, the weight of our witness so that we would, so that we would reflect the glory, the honor of Christ for the world around us. And as we strive to do that, may we live in his grace that is able to carry us. Do you, do you hear, do you, do you see the thread in all of this? Jesus, right? From beginning to end. 
It's about what He does in us, calling us to Himself. It's about the work that He does, empowering us, enabling us. It's about what we do and trying to reflect that for the world around us. It's ultimately about the ways that we fall short and find forgiveness and redemption and restoration in Him so that we can turn around and, and run again the race. It's all about Jesus. And so when we hear this, let's not focus on, don't, don't get focused on your shortcomings and your failures. Confess them. Admit them to the Lord. He knows them already, right? And then live with the power that he wants to give you to overcome. Live in the truth of who he is, not in who you are. You're a liar. You're deceptive. You're wicked by nature. But he is honorable and trustworthy and perfect and righteous and true. And live in the power that he gives you to overcome the ways that you fall short so that you and I can live lives of integrity. And that our witness ultimately wouldn't be about, look how great I am. It would be, look how awesome Jesus is, that he can take a wretch like me and make me something beautiful and new. It's about Jesus. I pray when you hear us speak these words, speak this truth, preach this message, I pray that what you walk away is with the feeling that, you know, without Jesus, I can't do any of this. That's exactly true. If you caught that, then you got it, right? Without Jesus, we can't do any of this. But by his grace, we can do all things. I want to invite you to have a seat this morning. And as you do that,